Welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, presented by Roast House Pub and Idiom Brewing Company in Frederick, Maryland, as well as Havoc Brew Supply, the one-stop shop for all of your brewery's needs. Check them out at hophavoc.com. Hey everyone, I'm your host Chris Sands, and today we are talking about Warehouse Cinemas, one of my favorite places to go in Frederick. Uh, to introduce yourselves? Uh, my name is Shanna Mueller. I'm the brand strategist for Warehouse Cinemas and work for High Rock, a um, agency contracted. And I'm Rich Daltridge, president and CEO of Warehouse Cinemas. So, Rich, let's get a little bit of your background first. Um, wh- how, wh- I guess, just tell us a little bit about yourself. What what you did before even founding High Rock? Oh yeah. Kind of what what led back. you to High Rock? Because I'm sure that path to starting High Rock to running High Rock leads directly into why you wanted to launch Warehouse Cinemas. Yeah, I think a little bit. Um, so I grew up in Smithsburg, Maryland, which is uh, about an hour west of Baltimore or D.C. Um, went to a college to play soccer. So I went to the Virginia Military Institute. I uh, got a sco- soccer scholarship there. And uh, didn't go in the military, but decided to play professional soccer for a little bit. And my wife says that I had to get it out of my system. Uh, <laughs> so I did that for um, off and on for about five years and uh, played for the Baltimore Blast, uh, which is our local indoor team, won a few championships with them, played a couple years outdoor. And then, uh, yeah, we started having kids and um, soccer. I was an average professional soccer player is how I describe it. So... Um, we needed to make more money. So uh, basically started uh, a company called Premier Web Solutions back in 2000, um, which was building websites and uh, played soccer and did some website design, learned it myself with a you know website for dummies book. <laughs> and uh, from there, I uh, bounced around to a couple of firms. I sold it uh, and then bought my non-compete back and started High Rock back in 2005. About three years into uh, uh, High Rock, um, you know, just it was going well. We had 35 employees, I think, at that point, doing well. I had an office in Baltimore, Frederick, Hagerstown. And for anyone not familiar with High Rock, what is High Rock? Yeah, so High Rock is a marketing agency specializing in um, uh, a little bit of everything website design, branding, uh, video production, 3D virtual reality. And so we call ourselves a boutique agency, so essentially a marketing agency. So yeah, th- uh, 2005 is when High Rock started. Three years later, uh, well, I should say almost five years later, uh, 2010, we decided to take over our local cinema, which was uh, in disrepair, uh, a little bit outside town in 2010. Had no idea what we were doing uh, back when they had uh, 35 millimeter reels and uh, jumped into the deep end, tried to figure out. I just felt like the cinema could be turned around because uh, with amenities and, and food and beverage options and things like that. So that was 2010. Uh, and then from 2010, we ran it for eight and a half years, I guess it was. And we got approached to sell it. And uh, we ended up selling it and parlayed those funds into Warehouse Cinemas Frederick, which was our, our, our flagship location. Uh, bad timing. It was at the uh, beginning of the pandemic. and uh, But we fought through, opened that location. And uh, since then, we've opened two more locations uh, under the Warehouse Cinemas brand. And which is, I mean, for multiple reasons, remarkable. One, getting your start when there were no movies, to, like first run movies coming out, um, and people half the time weren't allowed to even, weren't allowed or were too nervous to even go see a movie. 
but we're able to parlay that into opening two more um, locations. So kind of my thought of one of the areas to focus on talking about is how, how have you been successful in a business that most people are failing at? Yeah, a lot of different reasons. I think we've been fortunate to be successful. I don't take it for granted at all. Um, you know, I think opening, we were ready to open in April of 2020. So, you know, we're like a month after everything shut down and we're like, oh, we'll be closed yeah, for a, a month. It'll be a month or two. Everything will be we'll fine. Be fine. We'll open back up. Um, and we didn't open. Uh, Maryland did not allow us. It was one of actually the last states to open um, cinemas uh, until September of 2020. So, yeah, I mean, you have to go back to the core of why you opened the movie theater, which is an experience-based concept. Uh, so we didn't have a lot of content from Hollywood, so we hustled around retro films and events. And, I mean, I, I remember I before we even opened, we gave away free popcorn in the parking lot of Frederick, and uh, I had an orange cape on. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an introvert, so that was a lot for me. <laughs> um, and basically passed out popcorn to everyone who would stop by and the, the line was wrapped around Home Depot and we had like an hour long wait for free popcorn. So I think that was the genesis of starting this um, this uh, eventizing side of the business. We always did it, but we really had to lean into it during the pandemic and figure out a way to get people out who either weren't comfortable or frankly have seen that movie before. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, so we just, we, we did that and we were successful. And the other one that came, came, um, was unhinged, which was a movie with Russell Crowe. Uh, we said, what are we going to do about this one? And we're like, well, let's get a, uh, let's get a junk car in the parking lot and have people just take swings at it and take out their, their, you know, COVID rage or whatever you will. <laughs> and, um, you know, we ended up making national news for that on, uh, I think it was NBC. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And so we just, we had to hustle and I, I sort of like it because I don't think you really appreciate where we are until you uh, understand what we've sort of gone through and from scratch. I mean, Warehouse Simmons Frederick was a $7 million investment. So it was a big number. Yeah. I mean, well, just yeah. going there, you can tell it wasn't cheap. Yeah. But if you have any knowledge of what that building was beforehand, mm -hmm. it's even more impressive what you had to work with to make it into what it is now. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, the, I remember the first time we walked in, we were flying back from LA on a, on a business trip, myself and Greg Mills, our COO, and, uh, got the email from Richard Griffith from Frederick County Economic Development and said, Hey, there's an abandoned mall that has an abandoned cinema in it. And we just didn't even know that that existed. Um, so we went the next day on a Saturday morning and walked through it and it was, its own horror film, abandoned yeah. mall, graffiti on the wall, um, and pretty depressing. So yeah, what we were able to do is turn that space around and so you sort of even lean into the nostalgia of the Fredericktown Mall. And, and the thing is too, if if COVID even hadn't happened, that entire mall would probably been revitalized by now with all the plans and announcements that were in place at that same time. Um, and I still think like warehouse has got to be a draw for the prospect of being able to make that entire mall something again. Yeah, we're definitely an anchor. I mean, we have over 400,000 people as our attendance, uh, uh, in, in last year. So this year it's even going to be higher than that, we believe. So 
Yeah, I mean, we hope it, it helps Frederick in general. We hope it helps the Golden Mile. Um, we hope it helps all the restaurants that are surrounding us. Um, and hopefully other other businesses pop up, even if they're restaurants. We don't feel like we compete against restaurants dollar for dollar. Uh, we want we want to be a destination for people to come out and have a good time. And if that means going to another restaurant and come and watch a movie with us, um, that's fine too. So yeah, we hope we're a catalyst. Uh, Even though the food there is fantastic. Thank you. I love the pretzel it. bites. <laughs> that's my favorite. But there's real food there too. <laughs> it's a funny story. We when when we were shut down for COVID, we were trying to figure out a menu when nothing was open to do test kitchens. So uh, they would ask me, okay, are we on track or off track or their menu? And I'm like, what do, you know, what, what do I supposed to do to even get this thing off the ground uh so yeah we came up with this comfort this elevated comfort food model with grilled cheese and, and flatbreads and, and hot dogs eventually and uh so over covid we were it was all conceptual until we could actually get in like late in the summer to actually test these things and see if we can pull it off but um i think we came up with a cool little sort of I always call it like food truck type menu. That's good. Yeah, that's kind of that's a good description. You know? uh, but in it, its comfort food and it's at a price point and the margins are good on our side. So um, we're not interested in steak and salmon and crab cakes and the whole nine yards of that. Uh, it's a fast casual model. Yeah, I I used to love going to the movies. It was one of my favorite pastimes, and then I didn't for the longest time because it was just a miserable experience. That it, it had become. Like the value proposition wasn't there. It was so expensive, and the seats were uncomfortable. You had, for me, the added anxiety of be, how, getting there so damn early so I would get a good seat. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until Warehouse opened that I started going to movies again because you get to pick your seat. Although I think a lot of theaters have moved to that model, but you pick your seat, it's comfortable. And the and one of the main reasons we're even sitting here, which ties into Uncapped, is originally it was the beer wall that was attractive for me and my brand. But I rarely drink beer any more there because I love the cocktails. Yeah. The the themed co- I almost always. And I think there's been like once where when I went to see the movie, I didn't get the cocktail that was paired to mm-hmm. the movie just because it was there was something about it. It didn't sound great to me. Mm-hmm. But 99% of the time, I always get whatever the cocktail that was inspired by the movie to drink with while watching it because they're phenomenal. Uncapped is brought to you by one of Frederick's original Maryland craft beer destinations located off of Urbana Pike, featuring a warm, inviting atmosphere and knowledgeable staff serving up fresh, locally sourced culinary creations and unique craft beers on tap. Open seven days a week, our friends at Roast House Pub invite you to enjoy a casual lunch, happy hour specials, delicious dinners, and specialty desserts. Follow them on social media to keep up to date on their monthly beer dinners, mom's spaghetti dinner battles, and what beer is being featured for Buck Above Monday? Idiom Brewing Company proudly offers a delicious variety of beers to satisfy the most discerning tastes. Best known for their wide array of IPAs, delicious fruited sours, and robust porters and stouts, Idiom has a simple goal in mind, to bring people from all walks of life together, to enjoy themselves and each other. Whether you're a hophead looking for explosively juicy IPAs, are one of the adventurous few looking to try boozy, sour, or complex flavors, or just looking to enjoy classic styles and seasonal favorites, they'll have a little something for you. 
Idiom Brewing Company is located in downtown Frederick, just south of the intersection of East Street and East Patrick Street, with ample seating directly on Carroll Creek. Well, honestly, Shanna's the architect of the cocktail, so <laughs> she can speak to that. Yeah, I think um, having a background in food influencing early on. Um, in 2015, I worked in a Virginia influencer brand, and we partnered with wineries and things like that. So I pay attention a lot to what's trending, figuring out what people tend to like to drink, and then also what films we think is an opportunity to boost it or to kind of build on the excitement around a cocktail going with your movie and um, getting creative with the F and B is my favorite part of my job. Honestly. (laughs) She does a phenomenal job at this. I mean, I'm not cool enough to pull off what (laughs) Shanna pulls off. She has this thing called an ideation document every month. I just got August in my inbox. And it's like what's on what's trending nationally or whatever, and but then also this crazy Hollywood spin to it. I mean the Barbie cocktail. Yeah, yeah we announced that yesterday. Yeah. The pink drink, it's uh, comes in a floating flamingo, strawberry, uh shortcake, you know, flavors with um uh, a shot of local D- Dragon Distillery uh, strawberry cheesecake in it if you want it, or you can have it as a mocktail, which has become a popular thing in our cinemas as well because people want to enjoy a drink that goes with their movie, and then I can't always drink alcohol. Yeah, there. That's also part of the downfall of breweries right now. Is that is mocktails? <laughs> oh, just the whole um, sobriety. There's a. Oh. a strong sobriety movement right now. That is yeah. one of the myriad of uh headwinds that the brewing mm. industry is facing currently did you say the inflatable p- flamingo did you ever say yeah it goes in an inflatable so flamingo. it's hard to describe but like this is a little mini flamingo that's inflatable that the cup you know, goes inside of it i was so drawn to the um the smoke manhattan yeah and because yeah. i just got the email yeah, like an hour or two ago about the um uh, what's the Man, Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer? But no, the, what are the, what's the double feature called? Bar oh, Barbie Barbieheimer. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Barbieheimer email, yeah, yeah. and so it had the picture of the two cocktails. I didn't even notice the flamingo stuff because, mm-hmm. like, just the the yeah. smoked Manhattan looked so cool. Yeah, the um, F and B manager at our Lightersburg location reached out a while back about a bubble gun that can make flavored smoke bubbles, and we were like, Oppenheimer, yeah. right? <laughs> So well, yeah, his and favorite I mean, drink is smoked Manhattan on his own, right? Yeah. So, but those two drinks in one month, in one weekend, yeah. <laughs> essentially, we have this. Right. I mean, the slow motion on Instagram is this like explosion in your cup, and then you got this like fun flamingo. I mean, who who does that? Yeah. <laughs> right. Except warehouse, I guess. Yeah. Well, I thought. I mean, the oh the the one for. Um, why can't it? Little Mermaid was awesome too. Yeah, like the, the fish little fishbowl with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we yeah. made a lot of those drinks. Thousands. <laughs> I was behind the bar at one point, and and it was a lot. Every, every like, for every three, two were the were the the fishbowl. So yeah, people want that extra experience. You know, with a even with drink or food. You know, food is experience in itself, right? Um, evoking emotions and memories around food and drink is important. So, and movies do that. That's why we believe in it so much, right? Building memories um, and food ties into that too. 
what is uh, what's more popular at the at the cinemas, the beer walls or the cocktails? That's a question for other people. I think we just <laughs> we just market it and put it out there yeah. and then high okay. five on, on Monday morning. Um, Good job, guys. <laughs> yeah, no. So I think I'm pretty sure cocktails have taken over. Um, uh, if not, it's pretty neck and neck with our beer. Our beer wall is still cool. Like you have yeah. 28 taps in Frederick. In uh, in Baltimore, we have 40 taps, and in Hagerstown, we have what 36 taps, I think. So, it's still pretty cool because we we've added to that wall, um, at least in Rotunda and in Leitersburg and Hagerstown, um, cocktail options as well. So we have uh, four cocktail options, four wine options, red and white, and then the rest are our beer. So, um, yeah, so I guess th- those count as cocktail revenue, but. The beer is still popular because there's a lot of local stuff and people can try yeah. and, and there's always going to be something on there that they that they lean towards. They're not all IPAs, you know. Um, and we have we have a couple of nitro lines as well. So, yeah, the and it's just like uh, the cocktails are just always so eye catching too. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Well, well and I, and I think it's the foundation of of who we are missionally. Like we our our mission is to create moments worth remembering, and so we 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 most of what we decide to do is filtered through that lens. And and so when we think about, you know, a, a Barbie drink with an inflatable, like it's an experience because you're with your friends and you're all yeah. drinking this interesting, like flamingo wrapped cup. Right. And, and then you have an experience that allows you to recall that movie and the movie just gets elevated from there. Um, not to mention it's a, apparently a good movie and it's going to be fun anyways, but. Um, well, you, I mean, yeah. people have come for the drinks Without even wanting to see the mm. movie, we did the uh, Winnie the Pooh yep. horror parody drink. Oh, yeah. Ticket sales were not great, but people came to mm. just have the drink, right? So yeah. it was called Blood and Honey or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. That was actually one of our most popular drinks on social media and least popular films. Yeah. And I think That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Is that, so you've kind of... <clears throat> semi-recently expanded that whole area and kind of like advertises a place like, hey, you don't necessarily even need to come here for a movie, but it's a cool place to come hang out and have a couple drinks. Yeah, especially in Baltimore. Baltimore, we took over two spaces. One was a former Growler USA space that was a small, narrow retail spot. We tore down the wall between and opened it up to the cinema. So, yeah, the people are coming in, grabbing either a beer wall or a cocktail and going out on the patio. Um and hanging out. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's great for us. We have the, you know, the, the facility for them to come and do that. I mean, 95% is still, you know, movies, the main, the main attraction. Um, but yeah, um, it's definitely getting attention and what the team and and Shanna leads the team on the social media side of it. And then we have a marketing person per location. Um, what they also do and how they word it and how they sort of, uh, the photography has gotten a lot better over the years. Um, it's just that eye-catching thing that all of a sudden people are aware of of, of the movie because of this drink that we're creating, yeah. right? So my um, my daughters even get excited about what cocktail I'm going to order now. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. As long as I've gotten them their popcorn and ices, that's right. That's right. That's <laughs> the most important thing to I, them. I think it almost it may, that may be more important to the movie to them. Yeah, yeah to some people it is. Yep. You know, I. Not that long ago, heard someone in the industry say people don't come to the movies for a drink. And I said to Rich, I don't believe that. 
I think we can change that, right? Mm. People do come to the movies to get a drink at warehouse cinemas, I think. Well, and I think that's proven. I mean, we don't just say that because we think we're cool and whatever, but even in Hollywood, I've been able to, with warehouses, sort of trajectory and and, um, performance as a really small player, actually, in an industry full of publicly traded companies, we've made a name for ourselves. And um, so I can go to the studios in Hollywood and say, hey, thinking about doing this event we're thinking about doing we had a, a dungeons and dragons event that we partnered with paramount well paramount came to us and said hey we would like to ship you stuff from south by that's awesome and could you pull off an event i'm like yep talk to you in a couple of weeks and we basically planned it pulled it off and then i did walked around with as a, with a video and sentiment that night and it, we overperformed on that film so it, it's reflected in the box office uh, for the fact that we offer more than a movie. It's its its the layering in of the experiences that cause people to say, you know, what do I want to do tonight? Because we're essentially competing with entertainment dollars. Yeah. Right? And so... Which there are plenty of competing options, yeah. including your own house. I mean... Exactly. The, while the screens and the sound systems at Warehouse are top-notch technology and current, they're still... like you can put it together a pretty damn good exactly. home theater system at home that that I don't think that alone is the drive that theaters had a decade ago as the main reason to go to a movie theater to see a movie. Well, yeah, because that, that exclusive content that used to be months, months and oh, months yeah, and there's months. I didn't even think right? of the timing part of it. The window has shrunk to the point where it, and, and we understand the other side of the equation with Hollywood. I mean, they have to make, a level of revenue on streaming at some point, right? So we, we're calibrating that still, and we're having long, big conversations as an industry with, with Hollywood. Um, but, yeah, you still have to ha- – it has to be a compelling reason to get off the couch and go out to the movies. And, and uh, like to, to your point, you can get a big, huge screen, have a really comfortable chair. You can have the probably the same alcohol. You can't have a, an explosion in your drink like, like the Oppenheimer yeah. drink, or you can't have the inflatable. But – so you have to f- figure out a way to, to, to make that compelling and create a moment worth remembering. And what I was going to say earlier is that uh, we've been fortunate in, in that we've grown a market in the case of Frederick, Maryland. Like when we go to Hollywood, we don't just go in and take certain certain percentage of the market. We've actually changed consumer behavior where people are thinking, what do I want to do tonight? Wait, I might want to go to the movies now because there's this elevated experience and I did the math at the end of 2019, and I think it was a little bit less in 20, I mean, sorry, 2021. I think it was a little less in 2022, annualized 52 weeks. But we grew the market in Frederick by 60% when we showed up in the market, meaning people go to the movies more, right? And we hear that time and time again of people saying, I didn't used to go to the movies and because it was crowded, the floors were sticky, and it was a regular seat, Right. And so now we're saying, now we're seeing that people are like, I want to go to the movies because of these experiences. And so we've grown the market by a, num- by a big number in Hollywood's, you know, noticing. So it's fun to be in that position where you're sort of, I don't know, a, a progressive player in a, in a traditional industry. Yeah. Great beer starts with great ingredients. At Havoc Brewing Supply, they offer a wide selection of premium hops, fruit purees, malt, cleaning supplies, and more. Their family-owned business is dedicated to helping you create the perfect beer. Havoc offers flexible contracts, lightning-fast shipping, and unrivaled customer service. Join the Havoc Brewing Supply family and elevate your brewing game. Shop small, brew big, grow together. Visit HavocBrewingSupply.com today to learn more. 
McClintock Distilling is Maryland's first and only certified organic distillery, handcrafting gins, whiskeys, vodkas, and cordials from non-GMO organic ingredients in downtown Frederick. Named the best vodka distillery in the country by USA Today, best gin in the world at the International Spirits Competition, and double gold at the World Spirits Competition for bourbon, rye, and gin. Open now for tours, tastings, and classes. Come sample the most awarded distillery in Frederick today. Um, and to uh, the point you had made earlier, Shannon, where the person was completely wrong about saying that they, uh, no one goes to the movie to have a drink. I mean, I obviously have a very niche friend circle, but a lot of my friends will go to the movies at Warehouse because they can have a drink. Right. <laughs> and I, like I said, I definitely have a unique yeah. close friend circle of people who are into drinking, but... No, and I think the, I think the other side of it. I mean, that's the product we offer. When you, when you show up, you have these different products. But the, so some of the secret sauce we talk about is also this level of customer service. Like we want we want our cinema to have a soul when you walk in, where like someone greets you, and not just greets you because they're checking a box, but actually like, hey, how's it going? What movie you're watching? Hey, how's it going? Have you seen this movie yet? You know, whatever. Have you seen the trailer? You know, and so having that really, I, I believe, is is layers into the experience of going out of the house and going to an entertainment option like a cinema. Um, and so we spent a lot of time and energy recruiting and retaining and training on customer service to make it a really memorable experience. So we have a, 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 a pledge where we want to greet you on the way in and greet you on the way out, you know, and, and hopefully you come back. And so that that also, I think, in our industry, we've, we've commoditized movie going to be almost a turnstile business where – Disney or Sony or Warner Brothers creates this great product, this great movie, and some of the industry, if not a large percentage, see it as a ticket, and if the box office has movies, then you'll do well. Whereas we see people coming for our film league, for example, where we show a movie from 20 years ago, and it's packed out with like 600 people because they didn't want to hang out as a group together because yeah. they're, they're part of that community, right? So we spend a lot of time talking about community and customer service and all those things. Have you ever been to a Love's gas station? I have. I'm, I'm glad you don't go that far, though. Because okay. like, I was in New York for a beer festival a couple weekends ago, and I stopped at one. And it, I, I don't know that I like when like you're, you go into a place where – every employee stops to yell welcome to oh, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. there they stop yeah. and yell welcome to loves. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm glad you don't have yeah. someone no. or all the employees every time someone walk yeah. in yell welcome to warehouse. But I have read the thing about like uh, it was a study on breweries where like people are, it, it's like an astronomical percentage, like 80 or 90% like are more likely to return to a place when they have been greeted yeah. and, uh, a salutation offered mm -hmm. when they leave too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, even our we have a thing called the Everyday Hero brand. Is how we th how we think about the brand, and part of that is authenticity. So it's not like I said, checking a box, and when they walk in, it's like you know, welcome to Warehouse Cinemas. It's a high pitched voice. It's more it's more just like hey, you're you're sort of in a place where you should feel comfortable, and then you're hanging out with other friends, and we're one of your friends, and. We're also going to give you a really high quality presentation yeah. and high quality, hopefully, f uh, food as well. So um, I think getting really clear on that and Shannon was involved in that early on as we sort of curated that that brand promise 
Um, that's that's a big reason for I think the reason we've been successful in the box office. <laughs> and I would I would uh, put as evidence of like people viewing warehouses like a um, experiential uh, trip that your um, red carpet type wall thing, mm. the amount of people I see standing there taking selfies or ha- like having someone take a photo of their family in front of that, mm-hmm. the the red carpet wall is obvious that people are looking at it as an experience that mm-hmm. they've gone to. Yeah, when we did the uh, Little Mermaid event in in Baltimore, we had live mermaids from Tans yeah, from saw, the Netflix show the, and everything. We built this over-the-top selfie mm-hmm. wall, and Rich was helping making drinks or whatever, and he couldn't believe how many people were stopping in front of the wall. He's like, that's a big hit. I'm like, yeah, that's well, what even they do ju- every mean, time. Even just the regular yeah. warehouse w, cinema yeah. one at, repeat, yeah. uh, during a, a normal weekday, like I, I always see people stopping and taking photos right. in front of it. It's not even an extra special one like right. the, mer- the mermaid one. Yeah, it's the culture we're in. Right? Yeah, and from a guy who doesn't take selfies, like I, I <laughs> yeah. don't know if I know how to do it effectively. So like, but... It was yeah. She was right. I was sitting at the bar, and actually, someone was upset with me because our 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 um our light didn't wasn't wasn't projecting the right light on the backdrop, and it was a darker photo. And they're just like so mortified. And I was just like, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm looking into it, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to figure it out. Get the right lighting. So yeah, I mean, it's there was a line for that, and and like you're right, it's it's what's fun about it for me is that I think um you know that that simple warehouse cinema step and repeat with a red carpet in front of it, people people have connected with the brand in a way that they want to take a photo with the W's in the background. And I think when they take that photo, they're, they're sort of saying to their community or their, their followers or whatever friends that I, I was at warehouse and, and whatever they, they said in the post or whatever, but so many people do that. It sort of makes us feel like we've connected with a community in the case of our three locations. Um, so I don't know, anecdotally, I guess, but um, you're right. It's it's a part. It's a staple of all of our locations to having some step and repeat, and yeah. we'll elevate it. You know, depending on the on the movie. When um, so when you opened Just Frederick, when you're obviously a tiny player in that world, is it harder to get movies to show, or like how it like? Do you just contact a a studio say I'm I own a theater I want this movie or is it much more complex than that yeah not everyone gets every movie um <coughs> but I think that that was what I was saying earlier it speaks to our um our relationships in Hollywood I, I happen to be um a part of an association that, that represents about 5,000 screens so I have those relationships I've developed, but, but just warehouse in general, like for smaller independently owned theaters, it's called the independent cinema Alliance. Um, so warehouse is one of those members. And then I happen to be the president of the association now. So developing those relationships helps your performance helps like where you rank matters. Um, I won't go down this path, but I'll just mention it that a lot of independents, especially the smaller independents have trouble getting content. So, We've been able to leverage relationships, perform at a level where we where we sort of make the break on on the film that may may not be going wide, you know, forty five five thousand locations, but that film that's going a thousand locations, we will probably qualify at least uh, Frederick and Hagerstown for it. 
But one of the challenges in the industry is making sure that we that other independents across the country get access to this film uh, so that we that, that they they can thrive as well because it's really hard not to get a, a product a, yeah. a, a film product. Um, but to answer your question about warehouse, so we typically don't have an issue. Um, our biggest issue is actually the flexibility side of the equation where sometimes studios will want to keep us on screen or keep a film on screen after week five or six or seven or whatever it is. And we have other movies coming in that are going to do more yeah. more revenue. And so it becomes this, we have a film booker, let them fight that fight for us typically, but then you know, oftentimes the head of distribution or head of sales will send me an email and say, hey, I, I need you to, you know, hold this film or take this film or whatever. And then, you know, it's a relationship business. So they're, they're in the content yeah. business and, and want the screens and we want to help as much as we can. Yeah, and while that may not be financially beneficial at that very moment, doing that favor for that studio could yeah. pay off in the end, I guess, kind of. Yeah, and it's I hate to play the favor game at some level. I I just I, I'd rather be just completely honest with them. Hey, look, you know I'd help you out, X Y Z studio, X Y Z person, but I just can't because we've already spent money on this film. We're already sold out. We yeah. need the screens. Baltimore is only seven screens, which makes it even harder. Um, and at the end of the day, I'll, I'll probably make it up to you because you're a friend, and and I want to help your studio as well uh, long term because it's like business. It's all relationship, right? So like. We're not doing it to say, you owe me one, you owe me one type thing. It's more just like, look, I'm going to do what I can for you, but I'm also going to be, you know, objective about the bottom line and the revenue we're going to generate, you know. So how long did it take for Warehouse to prove itself or it became easier for you to get access to? Uh, Good question. It was harder to acquire movies. Because it's a really small industry. So I always joke that there's like 400 people you need to know in Hollywood and it's pretty much the case and that's hard to believe for people but like because we already had lightersburg uh and originally kind of gave you a you had a taste well that's not even a taste you ran it for eight years so there was and we took it from basically sixty thousand admits to i think we when we sold it it was three hundred seventy five thousand admits so we had a track record that we could say hey look it's the same it's the same group that's doing this warehouse cinemas thing you got to give them content you know i mean so that that helped uh, quite a bit okay so you you weren't starting at like the ground floor with Warehouse because of your track record at Lightersburg. Yeah, but to go back into 2010, I'm, you know, I haven't thought about this in a while, but like, I mean, it was a couple of years of like hustling. Like we, they didn't know who we were. I'm just a marketing guy in a tertiary market, right? <laughs> Hagerstown, uh, Lightersburg is in the middle of a cornfield, and um, I was just going to say, yeah. like, what, at first it was probably like a where, where are you from again? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I so, remember the first time I took my eldest to Leitersburg, which I think was shortly after it was open. And I mean, I live in Frederick, mm-hmm. so there was already the long drive to get there. But then as we were driving through the cornfields, mm-hmm. she was maybe, I don't know, like six or so at that time. And I can't remember how she phrased it. It was basically along the lines of like, where the heck are you taking me, You're Dad? Right, this right. is the middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> and then you and then you roll up on this tenplex, yeah. and it's like where it was like we always joke that our that our neighbors are soybean and, and corn. At least and you have a brewery now too. We have a brewery across the street, exactly. Um, but yeah, and it, it, you know I, I like that story too because when we're in Hollywood, they've never been to Hagerstown. They've yeah. never driven seven miles outside of town to show up at our place. But they're like, 
your groceries are really good. Your box office is good. I'm like, do you have any idea what, what it <laughs> yeah. looks like out there? You know, <laughs> Google map it one time. Do you understand <laughs> the accomplishment that exactly. was? <laughs> so help, help me help you, you know. Um, no, but it's a, it's a good story because I'm honestly, there's a lot of independents around the country that are in middle of America that, that, that don't get access that, that aren't marketing, you know, savvy and things like that, that, um, we're trying to help those as well. So that does the, the experience of running a marketing firm and knowing marketing, does that help a lot? I mean, cause that's, I mean, really running a theater is kind of all that, right? <laughs> good. It's a big piece marketing of marketing to yeah. people and I guess to an extent, marketing to argue that you should have access to. Yeah, it helps. Um, I mean, I, I I tend to to be on panels at trade events for on the marketing topics and things like that. So I and honestly, early on, ignorance was was the benefit because <laughs> I didn't know any different. I yeah. just put leather recliners in in 2010 and two screens, and I was like, I feel like it's better. Like it's a better product <laughs> on the side of marketing. And uh, that same year, AMC announced that they were doing like you know cinemas go luxury like it was this thing and i was like oh we just we, we just did that you know what i mean so i think we just instinctively uh process our world through marketing and experience and yeah. it just it's just who we are so so why what is it that makes some movies such a limited run or harder to get access to is it based on like the marketing budget of that that film for like how many theaters that the studio will put it on? Yeah, so it it goes back to the old days of print run. So when you do used oh, to do so where there was an actual cost. Yep. So really, there's no reason at all for them to do it now. There, <laughs> there, there, there is and there isn't. So our colleagues on the independent side will have the argument that there is. It's virtual now. It's called. Yeah. A, it's, it's there's a, no added cost to it's send satellite, the, right? Yeah. yeah. There's not someone driving a car from DC with a big reel, which we used to pay, yeah. you know, do back in the day at Plus Lederberg. the extreme. I mean, it wasn't even cheap to print and make that exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, what, what, what I'm finding and, and, and I'm traveling to LA to have these conversations with, with, with folks is it, there is still overhead associated with the studios taking on a lot of small independents. And so we have to think about it from a, from, from the currency of time, as opposed to the currency of actual money is it's really hard for small teams. Like I said, there's 400 people you need to know. Like yeah. There's like. 10 in Sony, at Sony or, or, you know, 15 at Paramount and 10 at Disney, whatever it is. And so, like, they're small teams getting this word out on this multi-million dollar massive project, and it's a big, big lift. So to work with the the smaller independents oftentimes in, in, in their world and its reality is that the squeeze isn't worth the juice. That makes sense. Right? Because with AMC or Regal or someplace, they talk to one person at that company and then they just deal right. with it instead of having to talk. How many independent screens are Do you know that number? By yeah, chance? it's about 7,000 screens okay. in the country and we represent at the Independent Cinema Alliance 5,000 of those now. So, I mean... That's a lot of extra people to talk to. So <laughs> it is, and some of them have ones and two screens, and, and yeah. four screens in Main Street, you know, Omaha, Nebraska, or whatever it is. So it's like um, one of the things that the Independent Cinema Alliance is doing, and I'm taking sort of the playbook of Warehouse Cinemas to LA to have, have these conversations. Is is I want to help you uh, basically get to these independents, and and you should be able to make make a few calls to the large players, the publicly traded cinemas out there. There's obviously some smaller below that. But then the Independent Cinema Alliance, if I can help create efficiency 
to do what Warehouse is doing at scale. It's almost like a co-op sort of. Yep. It's like a conduit for those small teams in yeah. Hollywood so that they don't have to have uh, the, the, the perceived and real cost associated with managing getting that movie to 3,000 screens as opposed to you know 1,500 because they just don't have the bandwidth. And sometimes budget as well, as you mentioned. I'm going to guess, though, that they make it more complicated than it needs to be. <laughs> you don't have to answer. Yeah, this I mean, <laughs> what what Warehouse is doing, and this is a testament to, to Shanna and to our, all of our community liaison managers and marketing people, we are doing it different than most. And so, honestly, just if you white label that and you figure out the efficiency piece of it, it's ac- it actually isn't complicated. Um, I'm going to be speaking in, in Miami in, in October on a panel, and I'm going to have four major studios up there that I know personally, but but what we've done for them through these what I call pilot programs is we've taken away the complexity of getting a film out into these markets. And it doesn't have to be complicated, but they need to trust at this point me yeah. to help them and then prove to their bosses that there's this there's this 20% of the industry, these other 7,000 screens that if we tap into that, I honestly believe we can move the needle by millions of tens of millions of dollars on opening weekend. So a lot of those conversations have, have happened. We've done pilots. Uh, there's a m- tremendous amount of enthusiasm about it, but we just have to like sort of crawl, walk, run into that. Yeah, it just seems like any legacy company slash industry has so much unneeded complexity built into the way they do business day to day based on how it had to be done yeah. a long time ago that Hollywood seems to be a area that it would be ripe for that. It's fun. Yeah. And you wouldn't think so. Like Hollywood's cool and progressive and, and, you know, creating stories. Uh, but yeah, Hollywood on both ends of the equation on the distributor, on the, on the studio side in Hollywood. And then also on the exhibitor side, exhibitors, you know, need to do a better job as well. Like, like the warehouse cinemas of the world, we need to constantly be thinking about new innovative technologies to, you know, predict what movie Chris wants to go see next because you came to see these three movies in the past. I mean, Amazon does it to us to send yeah. us, you know, more to the next toothpaste and toothbrush, right? <laughs> like, yeah. why can't we predict, you know, some of that stuff? But it's funny, like a lot of, when, a lot of people aren't having that conversation, so. So how, how big of a problem are the current strikes going to be for warehouse cinemas? It's a good one. Um, yeah, for the first time since the 60s, I think it was, uh, both the directors um, and the writers guild have have been striking together. Um, productions have been halted. Um, the next Mission Impossible was halted. All the major productions have been stopped. Um, it's a problem. It's a problem. Um, if we don't sort it out, I would say by like early Q4, um, I would say we're going to have some issues, some content issues like we had back in 2020. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's kind of like a a COVID situation happening again. Although you don't have the audience removed this time, but you have the the content issue again. And the content is one of the biggest headwinds we had. And and if that happens again, yeah, I think think it's going to be challenging. Um, I think they're making progress. I read an article this morning um, that they're at the table, and I think some – Headlines are making it worse than it really is. Um, I mean, the ecosystem, you need, obviously, directors. You always need writers and actors. 
Um, so the fact that they're both uh, together striking, I think, is um, is hopefully going to accelerate, you know, a deal. Yeah, that that definitely makes it a much stronger bargaining position because I I believe like both both groups are kind of close to the same hot button issues, right? Yeah, and on the on the top of my head, yeah, I mean it's 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 it, I think streaming is probably the biggest piece. Yeah, the, the, the the AI thing I think is a is a buzz word. I was just gonna say, I was gonna actually ask that if yeah. you had an idea that like is because every damn thing in the world has to have AI mm -hmm. added to what it is that that just has become the thing that. Uh, media has latched on to yeah, as being it's, it's the it's the most buzz buzz worthy term right but uh, not to discount that could be an issue and they're trying to solve for it now i mean that definitely, which is smart because it's way better to like hey this this yeah. could potentially be a big problem yeah and, and and technology accelerates everything so if that technology if someone's seeing that being an issue to go ahead and solve it now. But I think the biggest issue is the streaming side of things. Streaming and, and the residuals. And the residuals. Calculated side. based on streaming. And yeah, because it is an industry, and I, I, I would say that there's probably could be more transparency on the revenue side of the of the streaming business. And, you know, the way I look at it from an exhibitor perspective, I, am, I try to have what I call um, em, uh, enthusiastic empathy for... <laughs> The other side of the equation, which is the studio side, because they're creating they're tens of hundreds of millions of dollars to create this product. Um, and without that product, we don't exist. So yeah. so they need to make money. And so downstream, they need to make money as well through streaming. I would hope that the talent, you know, in Hollywood also think, you know, everyone needs to make money. Everyone needs to have a healthy ecosystem. Um, it just can't be skewed one way or the other. So I think when streaming you know, especially through the pandemic, it, it was it wasn't a time for probably ultimate transparency and you know all those things that I think they're saying. Okay, now we're through that. We're back to normal. You make some money at streaming as well, but you if you're going to use my likeness as an actor, we should get something for yeah. that as well, not just a one time. You know, why well, I, I oh I can't remember who it was, but I had read an interview with someone. Actually, I think it was multiple people because it was it was just about the transparency thing as whole. And they talked to like people who had shows that were Apple originals, ones that were Netflix originals, and they said they had no idea how many people had watched yeah. their shows mm -hmm. because all of the streaming services consider that proprietary information and mm -hmm. don't share it. Unless yeah. it's some huge number that they want to tout of why mm -hmm. they're... Yeah, it depends on the quarter, right? Like for the quarterly yeah. earnings calls. Um no, I mean, I, I've, I've uh, this past time around in, in L.A., what, four weeks ago, I met with Netflix. I met with Apple and at Apple headquarters. Had a great conversation with... You were at the spaceship? Uh, I think it was that one, yeah. At the one infinite... No, it's not one infinite loop. The Like the, the big circle building. Well, actually, right. I don't know that if it was the headquarters, but it was the film headquarters. Oh, okay. But it was, they have apparently like 15 buildings in L.A. Um, but no, the, the conversations are very positive. Um you know, and 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 I, I would like to think on the exhibitor side. What I'm trying to do is build relationships with those. Yeah. Um, you know, we have a good relationship with Apple at Warehouse Cinemas, and showed a movie called The Greatest Beer Run, which went streaming. Love that movie, right? I loved it too. So I was, I like, was amazed at how true the story yeah. is, and it's even. It, did you look into that at all? Mm -mm. It a lot, uh, especially the most outrageous moments of yeah, it that yeah. you would think were adapted for Hollywood mm -hmm. to make the movie more interesting yeah. were 
like uh, verifiably accurate renditions of what actually happened. Yep. Yeah, and I mean, <clears throat> Apple just as an example, like just is a is a machine of of a of an organization. They just want high quality content, and they yeah. they don't. They're like, if it's not high quality, we we, we don't want to do it, and. So when you find a movie that might be, you know, day and date streaming, although we want a theatrical window, depending on the year, depending on the time of year, you might be like, we don't have a lot of content, so mm-hmm. we're going to make something out of the greatest yeah. beer run. And we had uh, Pap's uh, Blue Ribbon on on the beer wall and, and sort of spent some money with, with, with Apple and they had a distributor working on it. So, um, yeah. yeah we turned into yeah. an event. Yeah. Steal the pint. That's right. right. We did yeah, steal we the pint. Yeah, we did. Yeah. yeah. And so I to, to close that out. Sorry, I'm I'm philosophically talking about this industry. <laughs> um, I believe that with Apple spending over a billion dollars on content, with with Netflix doing a similar number, um, I feel like the in, in in Amazon doing a similar number as well. I I think the streamers, when we call them streamers, I think they're in the business of of, of content creation. And I think what they need, what they'll do is calibrate the bottom line for their stockholders at the end of the day. And so wake up three years from now, I think we'll have major studios in Apple, Amazon, Netflix. Netflix is a little slower to the game of, of theatrical, but um, we're optimistic they're going to get there. Um, mixed with the Paramounts and the Warner Brothers and the, you know, Disney's and the Netflix and the uh, Lionsgate's of the world. So I think with that, you have more content creators. We just need to make sure that we, to your earlier point, take care of the talent that create those films Take care of the exhibitors who show the films, and then let them have the downstream revenue as well, and then, frankly, have money to make more content, and then rinse and repeat. It's a uh, Apple being part of that world is such a crazy competitive aspect of it that other studios or providers have to hate because they really don't need to make money off of that investment that almost everything they do is a vehicle just to sell their other stuff. And mm-hmm. I have like close to a trillion dollars or something. Mm-hmm. In the, I think they're, they're worth more than every other studio combined by a, yeah. an X number factor yeah. and can just throw money at anything they, they want to do. Yeah. I, I said something, I, I met with someone from Apple in in Vegas in April. Um, great meeting and and i said something to to that effect and her response was really like she didn't realize that that's that that, because that's not the way they think yeah yeah i'm sure they're not thinking like oh we can just yeah they actually want just high quality and apple plus is is a strategy for them but so is theatrical and they're trying to do deals with paramount and sony i mean they're helping distribute the apple apple films that are coming out this year um but I love I love those meetings because it reminds me that the headlines not oftentimes aren't are, are misleading and that Apple is just trying to create great content. Yeah, but I mean more to the, the extent that like they have the resources to mm-hmm. do whatever they need to do to hit the quality mm-hmm. point that they want to. Yeah, and I think I think to that point, but they also have a discipline to make money. Like they're just not going to throw money at something to get yeah, into a game and, and have an ego. Yeah, they still kind of operate like a business that was on the verge of bankruptcy yeah. and and very progressive, very te- tech focused, all those things, which I believe is needed in the industry. So. Nobody markets better than Apple when it comes to marketing, yeah. right? That's the genius. 
Yeah. So I, 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 I'm optimistic. I mean, we're hoping to grow warehouse cinemas. And when I, when I meet with the the streamers, if you will, um, I'm optimistic that they're going to create great product and help push the other studios to do the same. And that that's honestly, we're a product driven business as much as we talk about cocktails and, you know, inflatable flamingo drinks. Yeah, I mean, if you had <laughs> nothing but garbage to show, yeah, like, it's gonna be tough. The, 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 the audience would dry up no matter yep. what amazing ideas you come with, exactly, yep, yep. come up with. So is the, do you envision additional warehouse cinemas opening? Yeah. So we have three in the ground now and operating. Um, I mean, we definitely want to grow, but we're not looking to grow for sake of just adding screens or locations. Yeah. We are very disciplined about what markets we want to go into. You know, Baltimore is different for us. We're, we're figuring out some of those marketing strategies and, and product offerings. Um, Just from uh, because of a location or like the... Yeah, it's an urban, it's an urban area. It's right outside the city. It's, 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 it's in the middle of the city. And so it's different. So um, we want to grow, but only, but grow in a very, very smart way. Um, if it takes us two years to do location four, that's totally fun. Like we, we don't need to, we, and we hopefully have four five and six at some point, And then we go from there. Um, but we like where we are, like we just yeah. don't, we don't have, uh, I guess the, the, the ego, if you will, to just say we're adding locations, adding screens. We or, and you be, don't have anyone to answer to, to ask why you aren't growing. Well, that's part of our strategy is not to have to go after money that, forces us to make decisions yeah. we don't want to go after. So we're disciplined, be, well, frankly, because we have to, because we don't have unlimited <laughs> money. But um, but that's a, it's a freeing feeling when you're just like, you know, we're doing really well at three locations. We love what we do. We wake up every morning thinking about it and enjoy what we do, I think, you know, every day. So, like, if we add four, five, and six, they're going to be very strategic. And we are looking and traveling and looking at all locations um, around primarily the mid-Atlantic region. Yeah. But we say no to nine out of ten of them. Uh, just because they're not the right fit or the rent's too high or there's a competitor that's doing a good job around the corner and whatever. And we're just like, no, we're, we're, we're out, you know, type thing. So was Rotunda a previously a movie theater also, or was that a fresh turning into a theater? It was, it was an actually an in theater dining model, which okay. it was called Cinebistro, uh, which has added a, a, a little bit of a challenge for us because that's the expectation when people show back oh, up to it. And we're like, no, no, go to the beer wall. Like, it's cool. Like, go to the, <laughs> Fast casual route, um, but yeah, so it's uh, it's but it's a really nice space. It was only a few years old. It's a brand, brand new building, um, and it's it's for being open two months. It's actually going really really well, and we're going to accelerate into Barbie and Oppenheimer and all the films this fall. So we're excited about it. So w- what is the correct way to watch those two movies? Is it Barbie first and Oppenheimer second, or Oppenheimer first and Barbie second? Yeah, well, we proposed the uh, question, we debated it, and then I offered out in the email to do, it depends on your mood, right, what you're going in as. So <laughs> I think I would like to end on a happy note, so we'll probably end with uh, Barbie, but some people maybe need some lightheartedness first going in. Yeah, that, that debate was put forward on Elliot in the Morning. Oh, was it? Which week. one did you? Yeah, and I guess the conventional wisdom is that Oppenheimer should be second. Yeah. But he was dead set that Barbie should be second because Oppenheimer would be too heavy to end your day on. I agree. So with the that Barbie too. kind of is the yeah. palate cleanser. 
interesting that those two audiences have aligned. Yeah. Although I also just love the memes of like anything about the Oppenheimer movie. It's Mm. just usually comment after comment of like people mentioning the Barbie movie. Exactly. About like it's better or. (laughs) I've honestly never seen something at this scale with two movies coming together and becoming this cultural. Yeah. Phenomenon. Especially ones that you would not no, connect different because yeah. they went through like the last several decades of like movies that released on the same mm. date, and I can't remember any of them. But there's been like in the past some like huge movies that both came out and were like exact. I can't. Re- oh, I wish I could remember what the two movies were because one of them says like, "Man, if you drew a Venn diagram of the crossover of those two movies, it would just be a circle." Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But like Oppenheimer, you would think that there would just be a little sliver yeah, right. <laughs> on that overlap. No, but you know what it reminds me of is that it, what I think people are starving for is like like the fact to say that they went to a double feature of two totally different movies. They spent yeah. five hours in the cinema because what Oppenheimer is three hours yeah. and then Barbie's two hours. So we're like we're obviously leaning into it and promoting it as well, but we're saying the break in between, make sure you get your free refills on popcorn and soda, you know, Uh, try, try the drink you didn't try before, you know? And, um, but it, it speaks to groups coming together, not being at home, watching a double feature by themselves coming together as social beings. And for five hours sitting in, uh, luckily in our case, it's all leather recliners so they can sit there for five hours. Uh, most consistently so um but it speaks to the eventizing side of it right and yeah. and, and this wasn't something that universal and warner brothers you know f- figured out and behind the scenes this is just cultural well yeah because they're competing movies yeah. right like, well, there's no there's no crossover in the ownership of those movies right no and, and what's ironic about it is that christopher nolan used to be warner. with warner brothers okay <laughs> and had a first look at warner brothers and now he's at universal and this is his first movie with universal so not only they're competing against each other in the box office, but somehow culturally we're like, let's do both. And someone said, yeah, let's do both. And then all of a sudden it's wildfire yeah. from there. So I think, too, the film with Greta Gerwig, she's a known successful director for people who are really into just film. Okay. And Nolan is as well, right? And so to assume that men and women would only want to see great directors or these amazing worlds that they create on screen. I can see the reasoning for wanting to see both of them. Cause I myself want as a film person is excited to see both for different reasons, Yeah, but also you trust the director's view perspectives on things. And I mean, Disney create, I mean, um, Warner brothers created a shortage of pink paint because of the world that they created with Barbie. Right. Mm. So I think people are excited to see Nolan's view on a story that people know and then to see Barbie in this way that we've never got to see before. I wonder, I also wanted to, is Barbie become so much larger than they ever imagined it would? Yeah. Cause the, I, yeah. the movie itself. Uh, yeah. 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 Like well, the, I've been, the hype and yeah. the, the interest behind the movie. Well, think of it this way. Not a lot of top films are marketed specifically to women. Right. Some of the top 10 films are not. They're usually superhero male dominated films. And Barbie is the little girl superhero in a lot of ways. Mm. That story hasn't been told on the big screen or in a relatable way for a grown up. So I think there's part of that. I've been saying for months I came out of CinemaCon. I was like, Barbie is the movie. If the film is done well, it's definitely going to meet a market demand. Right. Because women don't get to have big films marketed to them yeah. at that way as well. 
So yeah, it kind of all came together, I think. Well, and I I think they're cautiously optimistic. And I had a call with Warner Brothers on vacation actually a few weeks ago, and they were just coming off the Flash, and and they were just like, oof, like, <laughs> like that yeah. wasn't fun. And it was like the week after that opening weekend, and it was just did not do well, and then it dropped like seventy percent in week two. Bar, I was like, yeah, but Barbie, and they're just like, oh, and then you could just tell their whole their faces yeah. lit, you know lit up on Zoom, and they're just like. We hope so, you know, <laughs> like we think it's going to, we think it has a chance. And I'm like, no, it's going to go over a hundred million probably opening weekend. And I think now it's, that's, uh, I won't say it's a given, but it's a really good shot to go over a hundred million. And I don't think they expected that a year ago when they were putting it together. That, and that was a, to your point earlier about the, well, what did you call it? The enthusiastic empathy mm-hmm. where like for the studios where they spend tens to hundreds of millions of dollars on a, a bet basically mm-hmm. yeah. and they win a lot but there are plenty of losses too i was just saying that today actually there's there's winners and there's losers right now it feels like there's the there's a chasm between the two right now and it's yeah, like there's been like some high profile losses um, where they just don't they're just not working at some yeah. level and so it's yeah, it's tough, and I, that's that's the empathy side of it. It's like, oof, like I want you guys to do well so you can create more content. So, well, this is definitely a case study for marketing too, for the way they've marketed the film. Mattel, fifteen years ago, they were saying Barbie is essentially irrelevant, and they've really focused on repositioning Barbie, creating more diverse Barbies in general, and then they partnered with with Hollywood to try to help them. So Mattel's behind that as well. Oh. They have a lot of money invested in the success of Barbie. Well, they probably saw what happened with the Lego movies. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. And then, I mean, if you Google a Barbie movie, it turns pink now. I don't know if you guys oh, well. noticed that, like no, little pink stars fly That's out. I'm like, funny. they really put some money yeah. and it's yeah. everywhere. I'm sure you see pink yeah. partnerships with clothing and makeup. and yeah, It's kind of become yeah. like a pop culture phenomenon mm-hmm. yeah. at this point. They, God, they have to be selling so many extra Barbies right yeah. now. <laughs> That's, and it's all part of that. their marketing from Mattel with Barbie as well. My eight-year-old has a birthday next month. That's all she wants for her birthday. Oh, really? See, yeah. 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 I mean, in grown women wearing there's going to be a lot of women and men dressed as ken and barbie <laughs> in the fashion they call it barbie core where you're wearing pink and bubblegum pink stuff that's been trending for a while anyway so it's all kind of perfectly aligned will you be dressed as ken at the premiere no probably not he kind of already dressed <laughs> as I, ken I like every day anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah. that would really help sell tickets man. yeah uh, it seems like no, a marketing no opportunity one. our teams are all excited <laughs> internally at warehouse to dress up so <laughs> I, I wouldn't embarrass my kids like that um, <laughs> my, yeah, no matter what they my kids are older that yeah, cool. no, i have a 21 and, and 18 year old oh yeah they definitely are your kids excited yeah, they're talking about it, yeah. I know your oldest son went to CinemaCon. He was excited for Barbie mm-hmm. with me when we <laughs> came it? out of it. Yeah, <laughs> we were talking about it. He agreed that it was going to be one of the bigger films. What yeah. are the other big movies that you think will be a hit that are coming out this year? Willy Wonka, I think, is going to do well with Timothy Chalamet. Um, yeah, I have a, Color a, Purple. Yeah, that's, those are towards the end of the year. When's Willy Wonka come out? Uh, November, I November. believe. So uh, an epic film about Napoleon is coming out from um, uh, Apple with with Sony uh, distributing it. Um, that's October. Yeah, with Ridley Scott as the director and yeah. Joaquin wow. Phoenix. Yep. Yeah, as a, that should so. be pretty good. Yeah, it's it looks be, actually really good. 
Um, that's actually, I think that's November. I said October. We've got Ninja Turtles too. Ninja Turtles in a couple of weeks. Yeah, that one looks Aren't fun. Aren't they nervous about that one though? I thought I read something that. I don't know. Nah, um, things aren't going exactly as far how as they as, wanted. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we actually just had a meeting about it. We're trying to, to eventize it a little bit. And I have a call this week with them to talk about some cool ideas we have or making skateboards and, you know, giveaways and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, it, it, it actually looks pretty cool. We saw it at CinemaCon. It looks very um, not your traditional animation, sort of like the um, Spider-Man uh, Across the Spider-Verse movies. I have a very unpopular opinion about that movie. Yeah, okay. I thought it was boring. I hated Which it. Which one? Okay. Spider? Yeah, Spider-Verse. Oh. Um, so, yeah. I've uh, been ridiculed by friends. I was oh, family. <laughs> people see it like two or three times. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. I'm a parent. Uh, my 13-year-old just tells me it's because I have bad taste. Yeah. Nice. Isn't that, isn't that funny, though? Like, there's certain movies that I'm just like, I did not like that movie. And then people are like, you're crazy. Like, yeah. and you debate it. Um, yeah. I think Everything Everywhere All at Once or whatever is one of those films that people either loved or hated, right? I didn't Hardcore. See that one. Yeah. But yeah. No, Ninja Turtles does, I think, actually look really fun and it brings back a lot of the classic characters that we if you grew up watching ninja it turtles did. I yeah loved the ninja turtles as a kid yeah is casey jones in it no casey jones oh. isn't but they have a lot of the um more like the rhino guy okay. and stuff like that and yeah, be, yeah and they're all like hip-hop <laughs> artists you know so it definitely looks i love teenage it hits ninja all the marks yeah, yeah a, you remember ninja turtle pies yeah. 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 They were like a, a hostess. Yeah. Pie, right? They were green on the yeah. outside and vanilla pudding on the inside. They were so good. I don't think my mom they bought should, me I was too much sugar. To, <laughs> is there a way for us to bring them back at warehouse? Oh, shoot. That's a good idea, actually. Yeah. It's on the so, list. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think I, I trust Paramount, to be honest. Uh, Paramount's a really good marketing machine when it comes to films like that. And they tend to accelerate into the very end of the campaign. And just are really smart about whatever it is. Like you think of like like Smile, the movie, um, the horror movie where they they put people in stadiums and you know, you just, Smile you see, like, creepy. Yeah, I saw yeah, the movie. Yeah, yeah. It was I I didn't want to, uh, but that was one. My thirteen year old loves horror movies, yeah. um, and she really wanted to see that. And it was it was a demented movie. Yeah, and then but then even the most recent Transformers from Paramount. I mean they. Brought back the the animal characters like that they, they pulled that off. I mean, it's it's in Transformers was a bit tired for the last few installments, right? Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I feel good about that one. Uh, I feel like we're missing something in December, something big. In December. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's such a week over week over week. It's just like there's there's good stuff coming. I I think um. Q3 and Q4 are probably going to be stronger than last year's Q3. Definitely Q3 and maybe Q4. Um, but, um, no, it, we're, we're, there's reason for optimism across the board. Cause one of the things that we talk a lot about is these, the mid-sized films. You don't always need big blockbuster, huge hundreds and hundreds of millions yeah. of dollars. You need the thirties and 40 millions and 50 millions. Cause there's, there's, there are great stories out there and there needs to be a market for those stories. So, um, there's a lot of those in Q3 and Q4, um, which, which, which sort of go, go in between the big, huge blockbuster movies. And that's, that's when you have a good box office, when you have a mix of movies. Have you done a Blair Witch Project? We did that? early I th- on. I yeah. thought so. Well, we, we, I think there's always an appetite for Blair Witch and especially in yeah, Frederick, yeah. right? That, it was brought <laughs> so, up recently yeah. again. I was like, oh, that would probably, cause I went to, um, 
the was it the twentieth? Yeah, so it was the twentieth anniversary of it, and they had it at the Weinberg. Mm-hmm. And um, what's his first name? Carlos Sanchez. Yeah, Sanchez. Yeah, yeah. and um, like he was there. Yeah, and, you know. when we did the uh, one at uh, Warehouse, okay. they showed up. So and yeah, he lives yeah. right in I think, yeah. Urbana. Or mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah, we should bring it, was, it back again. We they, probably could. Did they just have the 25th anniversary or 30th? It was one of the, uh, I can't remember I, what I think one I just I saw it at. the other day. Yeah, yeah it w- 25th would probably be yeah. around right because that was pre-COVID yeah. that the Weinberg thing was at. It was really cool. They had a bunch of the <clears throat> the actors from it. Mm-hmm. at the. There was a VIP event, and I was, yep. I was pouring beer for uh, Vanish at it. Gotcha. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's actually Ed, Ed Sanchez. Yeah. Ed, that's Ed, right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, you'd be surprised the demand for people seeing the same film over and over. We've showed Jaws three years in a row. Um, maybe not last year, but the year before. But we have sold out shows at Leitersburg and Frederick for Jaws every day. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> and, I mean, people just can't get in it. We have a you know, for Elf, Elf and Christmas time. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you can't beat that. Long. But, yeah, Jaws to be shown and sold out. If I were to advocate for anything... <laughs> Yeah, I think you need to do some sort of like Kevin Smith day to show all of his movies. You got to do a, a hook up with a film league. Do they do? Do they? they they'll do. They'll do stuff like oh, okay. that. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Just I, I love Kevin Smith yeah. movies. Noted. Yeah. Noted. <laughs> yeah. Um. Do you have? Well, actually, first, how? What's the best way for people to? Stay up to date with what's going on at Warehouse Cinemas. Social media. uh, We're really leaned into our social media. I think it's also helped us a lot. Um, But in our email, email marketing, we do a weekly newsletter and then special promotional emails and stuff like that. Do you have time to answer a couple intentionally stupid questions? Yes. Who would win in a battle between a ninja and a pirate? Probably a ninja. That's wrong. <laughs> That's wrong. I was going to say ninja as you well. You do also yeah. wrong. Why, 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 <laughs> why are we wrong? wrong? I don't really have a good reason. It's just a hill that I will die on. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they they're, they have guns, cannons. They've been through stuff. They're most likely drunk. I just saw, I just saw, uh, I guess I said that guy, I saw Pirates of the Caribbean on TV the other day, and I was just like, Johnny Depp, I'm not scared of him. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're, they're, they're sneaky also, but just in a different way. Yeah. They're elusive. That's true. Yeah. Does pineapple belong on pizza? Yes. You're also wrong on that one. No. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Rich? I, I say yes as well. Ham, ham and pineapple. You're not good at these questions. <laughs> what is the scariest movie you've ever watched? I'll answer it first. I don't watch scary movies. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm weak like that, um, so... I couldn't answer. Um, I don't know if about the what's the um, classic one with the possession, the head turning, Linda Blair, uh, with no. Linda Blair. Um, yeah, that one. I can't remember the classic. Uh, They're redoing it it's this the year. Name of what the priest does? Um, the Exorcist. Yeah, yes. The Exorcist. <laughs> that scared me to death. I watched that with some high school high school girlfriends, and we woke, fell asleep. You know, it's kind of boring in the beginning, and then you wake up at the worst time. Mm. 
I recently watched that movie Barbarian. Barbarian. The real old one? No, or the, the new, new one that oh, just came out. That. that was actually weirdly good. Mm. But Has horror weird. made a huge comeback? It seems like that's mm. a, I mean, it's a, a big uh, yeah. genre that there's constant content being pumped out for. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of the safer bets. It's not easy, but it's one of the safer bets in Hollywood um, because it's just less expensive to make, I think. Okay. Um, you don't have huge special effects yeah. budgets to worry about. And yeah, but, uh, I mean, Frederick just, I mean, they love their horror movies. Leitersburg as well. I guess Rotunda and Baltimore, we see, we saw some good yeah. response from... Um, Insidious. From Insidious this past weekend, so... Yeah, I would say yeah. yes. I feel like horror people are very dedicated moviegoers, too. I think there is something about going out to the movies and watching something scary and yeah. other people screaming or being scared together. It intensifies yeah. the emotions. I think it's a, a, a fun experience. And it's a less scary one in some ways than sitting at home watching I mean, scary movies. To talk about Blair Witch again, I remember going to see that when it was in the theaters. And, I mean... You know, social media didn't exist back then. The internet barely did. Mm. Yeah. So you had no idea that it was fake. Wasn't yeah. what? Yeah, that was, yeah. I mean, I didn't really think it was real, mm. but like, there's still that idea in your head that it was real. It was a terrifying movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think what's fun about the horror movies, even though I don't watch a lot of those. Is uh, is is that shared experience? I think when you're when you're in that auditorium and you're that does a jump scene and you're all scared. You it just feels different than you're by yourself. And yeah. I would I would say comedies need to hopefully we'll start hitting again. You know where you're laughing all at once in the in the auditorium. Um, you know that's that's the shared experience. That's what makes it different. Who would play you in a movie about your life? Mm. Who would I want to play me? <laughs> <laughs> Who would actually play me? Uh, either either uh, one. I'm gonna say Ryan Gosling. Actually, I would because I want to be Ken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there no, you go. It, honestly, my favorite movie, and this is a totally a, a weird thing, but like I watched The Notebook the other day. Again with it's just <laughs> <me>. <laughs> it's this weird thing that I have, but um, he's just so so good in that movie. <laughs> I don't watch horror movies, but I watch The Notebook. Repeatedly. There you go. Yeah, repeatedly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Please, you can edit that out if you want. I don't edit. Oh, yeah. You know, if uh, I would say Daria would have to actually star as me as a cartoon character or Jane. Okay. In the personality. Yeah. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Yes. I'm going to say no. Mm. Just a movie that takes place during Christmas. Yeah. Am I right or wrong? I don't care about that. Oh, one. Okay. <laughs> our movie, <laughs> our movie I was doing the opposite. Say you're wrong. Yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah I don't. But I Gremlins don't to a, me is the ultimate Christmas movie. So there have been so many times <laughs> where my wife and I have thought like, "Oh, this movie we loved as a kid, we should let our kids watch yeah. this," and then we'll get like 20 minutes into it and be like, "Why the hell did our parents?" allow us to watch this and yeah. gremlins was mm -hmm. one of those movies that like two years ago where mm -hmm. we thought like oh the girls will love this mm -hmm. and then we're playing and i've heard people say that quite a bit these days yeah. <laughs> yeah so i don't know if we've gotten too sensitive as i've gotten older or if 
the bar was way <laughs> lower for <laughs> what is the best Robin Williams movie? Mm, I'll say I'm not a film buff like Shanna, so I feel stupid if it's some of these questions. <laughs> I'll say Mrs. Doubt. I was gonna say that too, actually. But I thought that was like one that you wouldn't No, I mean it's a classic. I mean that's what uh, everyone I'll, says. That's the say wrong good, answer. Goodwill hunting, actually, I'll say that. That's also a good answer. It's wrong. Uh, the best one is One Hour Photo. Oh, I forgot about that movie. The movie's phenomenal. Yeah. What is the dumbest injury you've ever had? So when I was playing soccer, um, I got my my pinky caught in the jersey of a guy that broke it. It was like sideways, but it wasn't like a, and I couldn't, I had to come off and then wrap it and go back on. So I had to get pins in my pinky playing professional soccer in Kansas City, Missouri. That is a pretty stupid one. <laughs> <laughs> that one was easy. I broke my uh, nose twirling baton. I was going to be a majorette. That is sufficiently stupid also. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was it like... Throwing a twirl I or like a throw threw it up, up and, and then I did some sp spinning like flip things and then looked up and it would just came boom and hit me right in the face. Weren't you like on the national team? Yeah. Yep. Fun fact. <laughs> yeah, majorettes is big deal. <laughs> <laughs> Used to be. Uh, we'll do one more. Which one do I want to end on? If you had a pet parrot, what would you teach it to say? Big picture. <laughs> you do say that a lot. Yeah. Um, maybe like, hey, girl, hey, every time I came in. That's a good one. I can tell you that when you ask that question to a bunch of drunk brewery owners and brewers at a party, you get very different well, answers. I <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for your time today and for making going to the movies fun again. Yeah, oh, thank you yeah. for supporting us all the time. I know, it's up. been a couple of years. Yeah, you, you were like an OG. Early, early Came on. in masked up. And, I did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> helping us out it was awesome. Yeah, uh, no, we appreciate everything that uh, you and the Frederick News Post. I mean, they they also support us and write stories about. I think they're doing something for Barbie, yeah. probably. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's honestly it's great being in Frederick. It's great being in Maryland, and um, we love we love our jobs. So, I mean, Frederick is one of the best places on earth. So. I agree. <laughs> I, I agree too. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Cheers. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, that's good.